When it comes right down to it, <clears throat> as all uh, many of you would understand, uh, life is a gift from God, and it really comes down to whether we view it as such that makes a difference in how we live it. Tonight, we're going to be on a journey with Luke, but there won't be a PowerPoint this evening. Uh, I just want to speak to you from my heart as it responds to the text, um, because I think what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 is important, and I hope that you'll follow along. Uh, Luke chapter 12, about verse 22, is where we will begin. Now, you remember from last week, we were studying about this man who had come to Jesus, and he had demanded that Jesus get involved in a civil dispute, a, a settling of the estate, because he didn't feel like he had enough. And so Jesus uh, tells this story about the parable of the rich fool, and we included some of the text we're going to talk about tonight, but I thought, I want to... I want to back up and, and not move quite so fast over what Jesus says here because it's important. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They neither ha have storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. <clears throat> Anxiety is, is uh, very prevalent in our world. I don't know if it's always been prevalent and we've just been unaware of it. Or if it's something changing within our culture. But people are consumed with just this constant uh, background noise of fear. Uh, is it related to the fact that we are constantly connected, uh, that we live in a world with social media where you are constantly judging someone else's life and they likewise are judging yours? Is it this continual connectivity, this absence of being able to just step back and disconnect from life. That's my personal theory on it, is that we're constantly connected and constantly engaged, and, and the brain is seeking continual stimuli. And Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. And I, I mean, it's kind of one of those things, it's like, well, it sounds good, but how? How do we do that? Nor about what you will eat, nor about your body, or what you will put on. Verse 23, your, your life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. And that's the first thing that I, the the, the, the idea that Jesus presents is that life is so much more than we make of it. 
we, we very easily be, become focused on very small, insignificant things. Things that uh, really don't matter. Jesus says life is more than what you wear and what you eat. And these were people who were basically living day to day. Hey, you and I read a, 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 a verse like Luke twelve twenty two and following, and we go, oh yeah, well of course. I mean, I have a pantry full of food and a refrigerator full of food. I've never in my whole life worried about missing a meal. I've never worried about that. I don't worry about clothes. I have more clothes than I'll ever wear. I get stressed out standing in front of my room full of clothes because I have to decide what it is to wear. It's ridiculous. Our world compared with their world. They couldn't even imagine it. I don't want to spend too much time there. I just want to focus on those three words that Jesus says in verse 23. Life is more. I don't remember the songwriter who coined the lyric, life is what happens while you're making other plans. But I've always thought that was a good way of thinking about it. So much of our lives we live thinking about other things, preparing for a world that is not. Uh, thinking about a future that might be decades away. And, and life is meant to be lived. It's meant to be lived now. Life is more than the small things that we worry over. Anxiety is rooted in the small things. A couple of, uh, of examples. Teenagers often have social anxiety. And that was true when I was a teenager 25 years ago. That was true when my parents were teenagers, even older than that. Uh, my grandparents were teenagers. Every generation of teenagers, these adolescents, and, and please don't take this personally, but your brain is, is sort of two-thirds formed. It's not quite all the way there yet. That's not a meaning you're stupid. It means you're not mature yet. And so, the little things in your life, and I don't mean that condescendingly, but the things in your life that you worry about are very small. And there will come a time in your life where you will look back to where you are now and say, oh, why did I worry over things so small? Okay? Now, I use that illustration to say that we're all getting more mature. And there will be a time in my life when I, at age 60 or 70, look back at me at age 41 and say, oh, why were you worried about things so small? This is what Jesus is saying here to their, his audience and to us, that life is more than the so many small things that we fill it up with, that we worry over, that we, that we, that we tie ourselves up in knots about. Your generation of teenagers, uh, uh, as uh, uh, millennials, it's worse because not only do you have social, social anxiety, because you're learning, you're doing everything the first time. And the first time is the worst time. I mean, any time. First job, first time you drive, first date. 
the whole bit. Anytime you do it the first time, it's the worst time. And so you're learning. But, but here is something with your generation that's unlike my generation or, or generations past, and it's this. You have everyone, everyone recording the moment, moment by moment. It's there forever. Now, you say teenagers, oh, they don't know what worry is. Okay, we understand that because we're at a different place in life, but they're also at a different place than any of us have ever been. I thank God that there were not small little devices that anyone could hold to use to take pictures and record video of all the stupid, silly, dumb things that I did as a teenager. They live with that all the time. You and I, if we had a bad day at school, we could sort of come home and remove ourselves from school. They don't. They have things, I mean, social media-wise, it's constantly there. So I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging it's different. But let us go back to Jesus again. Do not be anxious, for life is more. And I just want you to keep those three words. Life is more. The things that we worry over, whether they're social media, your, your, your stressors in high school and middle school, your, it, you know, whatever the thing that you're, it could be small, it could be big, but life is more than that. We used to take a step back and say for all of us, life is more than the very small things that we're focused on. So do not get focused on the little. Wise people focus on the grander perspective. Look at verse 24. You can almost see Jesus taking the grander perspective now, almost taking a step back and looking up at the sky and saying these words, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither a storehouse nor a barn, and yet God feeds them. If you have a chance tonight as you leave the building, look up. Pay attention to the birds. They have virtually none of the things that you and I are worried and anxious over do they concern themselves with. They don't do any of that. They don't work, they don't earn, they don't save. And yet God takes care of them. May we not forget this next phrase. This is point number two. Point number one, life is more. Point number two. Of how much more value are you than the birds? You say, that's an inspirational message, Levering. You are more valuable than birds. Thanks. But you need to think about it. God takes care of the birds, every single one. A single sparrow can fall from the sky, and no one on earth will notice, but God notices, God sees. A tiny pigeon may be lost in a hurricane, being blown and tossed about. No one pays attention, but God notices. And you are much more valuable than those birds. Verse 25. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? 
Think for just a moment. Try to remember something you've worried over in the past. And I'm not talking about something that happened. I'm talking about something that that could have happened. I tease Christy about this. I call it her mom mode. Moms have an innate ability to consider every possible bad thing that could happen. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it comes with motherhood or what have you. But, but, but there is such anxiety among our moms. And maybe it's exacerbated by social media. But, but for all the worrying you've ever done, how many of those things have come true? How many of those things ex- happened exactly as you worried that it would? You say, I knew it. I knew that was going to happen. And I, I, all my worrying just prepared me better for it. Uh, it didn't. Now, all the stuff that happens at life to you in life happens on a random Tuesday afternoon, straight out of the blue. You don't see it coming. That's the kind of stuff that rocks you to the core. And it's stuff that you never even, it was not even in the realm of possibility in your small little mind. And yet you stayed up tossing and turning. You lost sleep over that thought. You worried, you tied yourself up in knots. And for what? You didn't add a single hour to your life. You didn't prepare in any way for the troubles that would come. And more than likely, you eroded your faith in an almighty God. Which of you can, by being anxious, add a single hour to his span of life? I love what Jesus says here. This is kind of like a little bit, I don't know. I mean, it's not bragging if you can do it. But (laughs) he says, verse 26, if you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Now, to me, that's a pretty significant thing. I mean, if, if we could potentially figure out a way to add hours to our life, and Jesus said, you can't even do, that's a simple thing. You know, Jesus, the Son of God here, is saying, eh, adding hours to life is easy. That's, I, anybody can do that. You can't even do that. That's such a small thing. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. I feel... Uh, even smaller now. You can't even add a single hour to your life. He says, if you can't do that, why are you worried about all the many small things? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Since we have a deacon of holy grounds, there has been transfer... That's my title, and I'm going to keep using it, so, you know, deal with it. All the way around the building, like we have never seen before, are beautiful flowers of many different types and colors. And then they go from one end all the way around to the other. And, and the, the flower bed in particular I'm thinking of is right outside my window. So I watch through the season, through the spring, through the summer, as Jesse and 
whoever has helped him, planted these things which are beautiful. And, and they're just stopping it. Wow, oh, I love the color. It looks so good. And isn't it beautiful that God made just things like that to fill our world and make it more beautiful? And all of that is temporary. Here in a couple of months, it's going to get cold, and all of those beautiful flowers are going to shrivel up and die. But God will bring forth new growth again because he loves us and because he's good. Not even Solomon, rich and wise as he was, could clothe himself prettier and more handsome than the weeds in a field somewhere on the hills of Jerusalem. What's the difference? Because Solomon and and his servants, presumably, clothed himself. God clothed the grass of the field. God clothed the fields of the world. And he'll do it again. Because God is good and he is faithful. How much more will he clothe you? Now keep in mind, we're not just talking about clothing. He's talking about how much more if God will take care and just put a little color here and put a little color there all throughout the world. How much more will he not clothe those who are made in God, God's image and take care of the sons and the daughters of the king? I love my children, but I'm not greatly concerned about painting their room up just every single season. I try to, you know, pick a color and keep it there for, you know, till they go to college. God is so good, he, he throws color around this world and takes care of it every year. And it's different, and it's new, and it's beautiful, and it's breathtaking. And you and I worry <laughs> about such small things. What we're really doing is eroding our faith in the very big Father that we have in heaven. How much more will he clothe and take care of you? Verse 29, Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. I've never worried about what I'm, I'm going to eat next. I've never given thought to what my next, where my next drink will be from. No, I... But worry? Oh, I have worried. I have let my mind fill with anxious, worried, unproductive thoughts that fill me with fear and erode my faith in a holy God. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom and these things will be added to you. God will take care of it, I promise. Not based on anything that I know, because I, I know that God 
and his son promises right here that if we'll seek first what he wants, he's going to work all that out. He's going to take care of what we need. Hmm. Well, God, could you show me? Could, could you just kind of lay it out for me? Let me see the, the charts. Could you just let me see into the future? I need to know that it's going to be okay. And you just got to trust him. That is what faith is all about. We know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And he, catch this, he will make the path straight. Preacher, it doesn't feel like the path is very straight these days. It feels hard. It feels pretty dark. Sometimes it feels like I'm all alone. Yes, but, but you are focused on the path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, He is going to make that path straight. Well, how? Uh, you see, that we are not privy to. That is above our pay grade. Now, what we have to do, like we encourage our own children to do, is to trust that their parents love them and want what's best and that we will do what's in their best interest. Verse 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be as well. May we invest in the right things. And all treasure on earth is slipping away. It may slip away quickly if a market corrects, or it may slip away slowly through inflation. But it's slipping through your hands. You can't hold on to it. Jesus says instead, seek a treasure that is beyond measure. A treasure that is literally out of this world. So to review, number one, life is more. May you not be focused on the very small things of life. Instead, focus on a father who is bigger and can handle whatever happens in life. Number two, remember your worth. You are much more valuable than the birds of the air, and they don't give a thought to, the single thing, to a single thing that you and I give so much thought to. Number three, we are not able. 
you, if you are not able to do such a small thing as add an hour to your life, why worry about it? Trust in the one who can. We are not able, but he absolutely is. And number four, seek him first. I know you expect to hear the preacher say that, but, but, but I mean it. In how you spend your time are the first moments of your day his. And how you spend your money with your budget are the first top of the line of the budget his. In your relationships, are you seeking people who seek him as much as you seek him? You seek him first. May you not forget how very much and very deeply that he loves you. And of course, the greatest example of that is in Jesus. God didn't spare his own son. When it came down to it, knowing that we needed a savior and his son was the only perfect savior, he sent him. And the son willingly went because he loved us that much. I love many of you in here. There's a few that test me. But there's not a single person in here that I would give my son for. Or my daughter. My love's not that great. God's is. Knowing that he loves you that much, what could possibly prevent you from giving your life wholly and full-heartedly to him? Either you don't understand it or you don't believe it. Those are the only two options. If you don't understand it, I'd like to introduce you to Jesus and tell you more about him and introduce you to a very simple step that you can take. You can do it tonight. You can come down front and say, I'd like to follow Jesus and do what he said to do. And right there, while they're singing a song, I'll take you to Mark 16, 16, or Matthew 28, Romans chapter 6. And I'll say, if you're ready to repent and be baptized, you can put on Christ tonight. Not because you're so good, but because he's extraordinarily good, infinitely good. The goodest of good. And I realize that's not grammatically correct. I don't care. God is good. And he loves us. And if you're in Christ, but you've lost your way, you've, you've, you've allowed your heart to settle on very small things, you've riddled yourself with anxiety and worry, and your faith is eroded to almost nothing. Let us pray with you. Let us encourage you. Let us help you back on that journey with Jesus. May we not miss the moment. You need this moment. You can respond now as together we stand in.